0: Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Ivory on from ChartHop, and our topic today is combating workplace bias with performance reviews. So we're just going to jump right into it. Ivory, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and ChartHop?
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. and just- Sure. Um, share some of my expertise on this. Um, But yeah, my name is Ivory Johnson, she her, and I lead all of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging at ChartHop. Um, And ChartHop, we are a people analytics organization that brings all of your people data into one place so that you can see all the insights and be able to um, action it in a very insightful way.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. So, okay, let's let's talk a little bit about combating workplace bias with performance reviews. So, this is a this is something I haven't tackled. So, this is kind of interesting because we're going to talk about bias, but we're also going to be talking about kind of an instrument, performance reviews that have been around for a while, uh, more than a day or so. So, uh, where would you like to start?
1: Yeah, um, I can I can chat a little bit about like what bias within this process even looks like if that's helpful
0: yeah i think that would be good <laughs> let's let's do a little backdrop yeah sure
1: yeah 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 so um bias in general is really where we are in favor of one thing personal group just compared to another and it's usually in an unfair way um so during like uh, performance processes what usually happens is um there's managers they go into the process they may have favorites towards one person over another, or maybe have that better connection to one person over another. So then you see one person's performance amplified over others. Um, additionally, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm a peer, and I'm close to if I'm close to someone, and maybe I have a, a connection with them, maybe we went to the same school, yeah. um, or we're from the same area, I have a bias. So I think you have to really be able to create a process where these biases are, Eliminated from the process as much as possible, but you're also introducing um, mechanisms in place. So that way, folks that maybe do have these biases are aware, and they can begin to be more objective in the process.
0: It's interesting since a lot of the biases that we're talking about, uh, we see in recruiting too, right? So we Mm -hmm. see on the front end in talent acquisition and and just to get into the organization. And then obviously we see it in internal mobility as well. Kind of it it resurfaces again there. What's nice about this particular conversation is we're talking about, okay, to to promote someone, which performance reviews – it's a mechanism for people to then it's like any good grades in, in college or whatever it's a way to then promote someone and those biases if if not kind of uh, managed or uh <laughs> stomped out in recruiting they resurface in performance yeah. um and one of the things I've, I've i think we've probably in the last two years we've talked a little bit more about than that i've ever uh, thought talked about standardized interviews is one of the mechanisms there's many but one of the mechanisms so then say okay let's get away from everybody interviews differently and everybody interviews different questions let's take people through very similar interview processes and when we interview let's take people through say similar if not the same standardized interview questions um how do we how do we i mean that might not be a perfect kind of a segue over to performance reviews, but how do we how do we uh, okay if we identify the biases and again training key to then help people understand kind of the people because you know you and I both know we walk around and <laughs> bump into people and they're like, I don't have any biases We're like ah, yeah. uh. <laughs> that's kind of a tell <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everybody has biases, right so um how do we how do we help people in performance reviews? So that they understand what biases might present themselves.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you have to be able to standardize the process and really create an ad- objective system. Um, so one thing that we were able to do at ChartHop this go around because um, we changed our performance review process as we introduced um, the DEIB team to sit alongside all of our HRBPs and our people team to ensure that we were equitable in all of our decisions and that we were fair. Um, so when it came to ratings, when it came to calibrations, um even March. how we're delivering the message, yeah, D I B was there to say, Hey, I actually think this may be a bias or maybe we are looking at this a little differently for this person, but it should be applied the same way to this person. So having that conversation as we are talking about it real time really helped. us to be able to have a more equitable process now i know like larger organizations may not be able to do this um, but since we are smaller we were able to do that and build that into our process Um, but i I have seen some of these i I haven't seen so i actually worked for like a large tech company before and um the reason why i left was because of this exact reason Um, i was performing excelling and then wasn't getting promoted but then if i look around me and i see some of my colleagues that look differently for me they were being promoted. So um, I think one thing you can do in these instances is looking at the data, the data is never gonna lie, you can look at the data and understand what's actually happening in your organization. And that's one reason why I love like the chart hot platform. So I can go in, I can see how many um, folks maybe within our sales, sales org were promoted last cycle, were they promoted two cycles in a row? Is there any bias when it comes to race, gender? Um, sexual orientation and so forth. Um, So that way we can see if there's any trends, if there's any bias in our process and our thinking, and maybe we aren't amplifying the voices and the people that actually needs to be um, elevated in that moment. Is
0: there uh, there a difference uh, between bias and preference?
1: That's and, a really great question.
0: And yeah. I, and I'll, I'll tell you why, how I got there. Because when you were first t- telling me the story about uh, working for a large tech company and looking around at your peers going, hey, wait a minute. I know I'm performing, overperforming. Look around. And, and some of these other people, uh, sim- similar to me, uh, uh, skills-wise, um, I'm outperforming them. They're getting promoted. And I th- you know, obviously, bias is the backdrop. Got it jack <laughs> but beyond that or behind that is all kinds of really nasty stuff got it okay fair enough but what if someone just prefers like i remember when my wife went into landscape architecture um it's a male dominated uh kind of an industry mm-hmm. she preferred to work with men <laughs> she didn't <laughs> yeah. she didn't like working with women i mean that that is that's a bias i guess but it's also yeah. For her, it was a preference because she saw women as being really kind of, especially at that stage in her career, really drama filled. She's like, I, I like men because they'll just say whatever's on their mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want to stand. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um, and, and again, so it got me to like, okay, well, is there a difference between bias and preference or is it kind of the same, same thing? She yeah, like, that's oh, a
1: really what? great question. Actually, you have my wheels turning now.
0: Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. <laughs>
1: No, I actually, I actually think there is a slight difference, but I think when bias comes into play with preferences, when you're using your preference to
0: be right, um, right, unfair right. to
1: another group or another person. So, for right. instance, I can say like I prefer women managers over men for some right. reason. I just connect very well. Right. Um, but I've had some man- male managers where I connect very well with them. But um, when it came to like a hiring decision, I would never say. I actually think we should hire a woman for this role right. because I prefer to, hi- I prefer to work with a woman as my so manager.
0: You can, so you can have um, the preference. Mm-hmm. It's just when you use it in a power uh, position, either to uh, acquire talent, promote talent, you know, uh, evaluate Agreed. talent, etc. That's where yep. the bias actually comes out. That's the, that's the, that's the thing that we, I, I, obviously we're trying to mitigate. I don't know. And I'd I would love to get your take on this, Um I don't know if we ever get to a point where we eliminate I've struggled with this by the way so mm-hmm. please crush crush my dreams if <laughs> if you if you can uh I don't know if we ever get to a point where there are no biases like mm-hmm. we just kind of reach the utopian place where there are no biases I think it's we it's a game of of getting less and less and more educated less more training and less and less and less but I I think there's always going to be biases, but now again, that's me. And I'm I can be rather cynical. So, <laughs> do you do you, <laughs> do you do you believe there's a world where we have no biases? I
1: I don't think we're there yet. I think oh I think no we, no I, yeah we're definitely not there yet. We're I definitely think, not there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, however, <laughs> I don't I don't think so. I think we will always have a bias, like. I went to Hampton University, right. and if I meet someone that that went to my alma mater, I'm automatically going to have a bias there because I had right. that connection to someone, right. Right? right? But I have to be aware of those things to say, right. okay, I actually do have a bias. I need to manage that, and how do I do that? So I think I think the thing that needs to happen is inner work, where we are able to become more aware of our biases, manage it, um, and that, that allow that to sway our decision in any type of way.
0: And then when new biases present themselves, it's, again, kind of like what y'all did in the performance review process, sitting next to your peer group. And I can I can just imagine kind of how the discussions is, is, here's what I saw. Here's what mm-hmm. you see. Here's what I saw. Here's what you saw. Okay, let's kind of go back and forth. And that's all, I mean, it's training. Yeah. Uh, it's a really, really cool form of training because they don't even know they're being trained. It's just kind of a discussion.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I think it was it was very interesting. It was the first time we went through it at Chart Hop, but it was really eye opening because, you know, everyone wants to be fair. But then when we when we say, hey, we're actually talking about like this group a little differently than we are about this group, we need to just be more aware of that. I think the people in the room are like, oh, wow, I didn't notice that. That's something I need to be more aware of. And I can manage that now actively in this conversation. Um, So it was a really interesting process.
0: Well, I can also see learning for the DEI, I I say the whole acronym, but the, the DEI team as well. Is that they're also? It's not like they're all knowing. I think that's one of the kind of the misconceptions of folks that work in DNI is like they've got to somehow from the mountaintop know everything. It's like mm-hmm. no, uh, or at least that's my belief. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're learning too. I mean, they yeah. might they might have uh, had some training, or obviously they had training and they have some knowledge, but they're they're learning as well, and and also new biases, new forms of discrimination, etc. Are presenting themselves as we speak. They're yeah. to be, cocked, you know, you know, concocted in labs, you know, as we speak. So it's like yeah. we're all learning. Uh, the DEI folks are focusing out all the time, so they, they they're they're learning is much faster. But I can see those conversations and performance reviews being great for the the HR business partners, anybody in HR, yeah. anybody of the managers, like I can see that just being great learning for them to go, wait, wait a minute, I thought that would really well. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh and learning there, but I could also see the DI team learning. Did you did yeah. you see some of the same things?
1: Yeah, I definitely did. I think that's a really important call out too. Like DEI changes every single day. Oh yeah. Um what DI looked like today did not look like this two, three years ago before the pandemic. So um, I think DEI professionals are continuously learning. Um, and then I think what's really magical though, is like in these moments, we have managers and HRBPs and then even executives that are part of these conversations and then they can walk away with the learning and then become stewards of DEI themselves. Um, so I think that's really powerful.
0: In the, can the rating system itself be biased? And, I, and the reason I'm thinking about this is my oldest son He's going to be applying to college next year, and so there are a lot of colleges. I don't know if you, you've dug into this, uh, but a lot of colleges don't take ACT and SAT scores anymore. Oh. It's, it's just not even a blank on the application process. Which is, you know, I can I, I can see it being as an administrator, an admin uh, admissions person. I can see it as being very easy. You know, back in the yeah. day when you could just say an SAT score, yeah, you had to have 1,500. Like, if you mm-hmm. don't have 1,500, don't apply. Like, don't waste your time, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I could also see how those tests being, standardized tests being very biased. Like, I get that and I get why we're not having those, so I'm happy about that. But also, I can see the process being much more uh, fluid for them to then go, okay, well, if we don't have those two kind of tests as to knock people in or out. How do we evaluate talent? Mm-hmm. And so that got yeah. me to the question of, okay, well, can a performance review itself, like what we're reviewing as performance, can it be already laden with bias?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I did not know that colleges were um, not crazy. doing SATs,
0: in crazy. SATs anymore. It's crazy um, and, good, actually, for, yeah. especially for my kids. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but same here. at the same yeah. time, like <laughs> I scored really well on my SAT, and I'm like, mm-hmm. but I did I did horribly in school. Yeah. So like I was one of those kids that if we're looking at grades, I'm going to get slammed. We're going to test. Oh my God, I could at Harvard done yeah like it, you know. but uh but yeah go ahead
1: yeah i think um i think the rating system can be biased but i think it's based on how it's built so if it's built to be very vague then that's where the subjectivity becomes com- um begins to come in where um, right. folks can say like they can speak to more things and it's not just objective either they did it or they did not do it and if right. they did not do it they don't deserve this rating if they did it then yes um, so I think you really need to make sure that your ratings are as simple, clear cut as possible. So that way you can say, yes, this person did this. They deserve this rating based on this. Um, however, if it's, if it's very open for interpretation then there okay. will be bias that seeps into, seeps into that um, which I've seen at many different companies. And I think um, there are companies that their performance process works for them. Their performance rating system works for them. And then some are still struggling. So I think we're all just trying to learn what works best.
0: So examples of this that you've seen, I'll give you a couple for the audience. It's like works well with others. Okay. Uh, seems to be rather vague. And again, mm-hmm. rather subjective in nature. Um, was under budget on all projects. Seems to be relatively yeah. straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> either yeah. either are r yeah. now there might be reasons for that but but yeah. you either are under budget or you aren't like is that mm-hmm. is that the type of stuff that you're thinking about
1: yeah definitely so like one thing that we do at chart hop is we actually build um all of your performance goals by okr so mm-hmm. like for instance one of mine could be to increase representation at the company by x percent so it's either i did it or i did not do it um but if i say um um ensure that we're Ensuring that we're creating an inclusive culture that could be very open for interpretation, right? Um, I can say I did it, um, but maybe I didn't do it as effectively. But I did it, right? Um, right? So I think I think you have to be very very clear when it comes to writing your performance goals. So having a having a structure and guidelines on what does that look like when 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 your teams are um, goal setting, and then when it comes to the review, it's hey, did they do it or not? And we can add. Um, some details around what they did and and um, to speak to it. but um I think I think if it's if it's very vague, then that's where bias es in. You see some people that um, maybe are favored over over others or maybe come from different backgrounds and others, right. you see them being elevated um, versus other groups. and that's what and that's where you start to see inequities in the process.
0: So with OKRs and with with goals in particular, it's what's the what's in your mind? What's the employee's role in e- either setting or confirming? Because you know, again, here's another place that bias can can kind of play. If I set a goal that's a stretch goal, but it's you know it's unattainable is what it is. And I call it a stretch goal, <laughs> but really it's unattainable. Well, there's that's bias if I set a, a goal for someone that's that you could just basically step over it and it's going to be easy for you, that's not a stretch goal. So even yeah. in in setting goals, you can kind of see bias kind of present itself. So how, how do we check what's the checks and balances? And really what I'm thinking about is what's the role for employees to participate in goal setting?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, one, one thing that I've seen done very well is um, – you have the executive team, right? They set the company OKRs. So what does that look like for the organization? What are those key performance indicators? And then that begins to get rolled down. So the executives go to their teams. They build out the team OKRs and KPIs. And then we look at those individual teams and then we continue to build down So that way. Um, it all rolls up into one. Um, so I think if you have that approach, then, then you're able to see someone's OKRs is, is affecting the, the bigger picture um, and you can, it, it automatically rolls into the overarching goal. Um, additionally, I think I think when it comes to like the stress goals, one thing that we do at Hard Hop is we allow folks to set a good goal. So this is, this is exactly what you have to do. If you do it, you met our expectations. Um, but if you exceed that, then you exceeded our expectations and that's where you can move up and down in that and that um, rating indicator as well. So they, from our hiring perspective, if we were hiring a hundred people and then the goal was 20% of that that pool be from underrepresented um, backgrounds. And we hit that goal, great. We met the expectations that we set, but if we exceeded that, and maybe that goal was 35% and we exceeded that, then maybe that rating should be exceeded expectations. So um, I think being able to take if each team has a goal that rolls up to the, the bigger picture um, and is aligned to the overall company goals, that's where you'll be able to see more consistency um, and then just being able to spell out what the good looks like and then what that stretch looks like. Um, and if there's somewhere, if, if it's somewhere in between, and that's the conversation that be had, but I think being able to um, spell that out really helps.
0: So what if in this scenario, and again, we can go back to the time, Uh, recent time when you you sat in on performance reviews yeah and you go through it you go through kind of a hmm, uh, one of the uh, do y'all do it every six months three months annually not to dig too far into your business but just uh how how frequently do y'all do your performance reviews
1: yeah that's a great question so we do um two formal performance reviews twice a year however we do check-ins twice a year too so every quarter we are having a conversation with our employees um so like we're getting ready to go into one in February and that will be a formal um performance review where there will be merit increases and promotions. Then the next quarter it will be a check-in with your manager saying like, hey, this is how you're doing this this um this quarter, here's what you need to do to possibly get promoted next cycle. Um so that's kind of how we built out our process.
0: Right. So as you go through a cycle like that. And uh, and again, you're helping people kind of go through and see what they see, etc. What happens when uh, everyone that you think that you know, obviously, you go through performance reviews with the best intentions, and let's say we're trying to kind of minimize biases, etc. But just on the outcomes. For whatever reason, it just uh, it just didn't play out like the you like we all wanted it to. And, and let's just mm-hmm. say that I'll just use all white male. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All white men got got great performance reviews. Everyone that wasn't mm-hmm. a white man didn't. And for um, no, everything was objective. Everybody, you know, all that stuff went according to plan. Just the outcome didn't go according to plan, so to speak. What do you do in that situation?
1: Yeah,
0: that's a really great question. The system Mm -hmm. wasn't broken. We, Mm -hmm. in this particular (laughs) one time, in this particular situation, the system wasn't, didn't fail us. Mm -hmm. It just played out. The outcomes, just the optics of the outcomes, didn't look great.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, in that case, like the, the, the system isn't broken. However, there may be some disparities in other areas, if it's recruiting, mm. team representation, okay. even product distribution, right? So a project distribution. So if if there's, a, if, there's, if there's a high profile project that maybe someone gets to work with the CEO, um, then, in the, in the, and they do it, but it's given to a white man over a black man or a black woman or a Latinx woman, um, then that person is going to be elevated. So I think there could be disparities in other places, if it's um like your your role, um the scope of your role, also hiring. So does does that team, um is that team currently ninety five percent white men? Um, right. What does that team look like? Um, what does our organization look like? Um, one thing I've seen is like a lot of startups do look majority um like white males, um and not a lot of um, representation from marginalized groups. So. I think mean, that's where we have to address like, okay, our, our system isn't broken. However, we th- there's something else where we're failing in, in our process. Somewhere in its evolution of the employee life cycle, something is failing. If it's yes. recruiting, if it's the manager themselves um, or the, the scope of the roles or even leveling, there's something wrong. Um, so one thing that we do at ChartHop, which I introduced is we do a quarterly DEI data review. So I meet with every single executive, and go through the health of their organization from a DIB perspective. And we go through every piece of the employee life cycle from hiring, from team representation, to attrition, um, to employee grievances, to performance. So we tackle all pieces of that from a representation and DI standpoint. Um, and I think if you're able to have a constant look at what's going on in that org, then you'll be able to see what the issues are, solve for them, and then you'll eventually see Um, When you get to that system within the performance review process, you'll be able to see that you are promoting um, more equitable groups, that you are seeing um, fair distribution of ratings. Um, So I think that's one tactic that that companies can take as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's I, I love the I love the outlook. It's like, okay, well, you know, if this played out and we did our best, it's it then it's happening somewhere else. Yeah, (laughs) we know this. (laughs) It's happening somewhere else. This one played out uh, fine, fair, good. okay. moving on somewhere else in the organization. We can go and and again, we're on the hunt to find biases wherever they may lay. Then that's great. So this one played out and uh, we'll hope it's different next time. Um, But again, there's there's bias somewhere else. We just go for it. Uh, two questions left. One is is questions employees should ask, uh, either leading up to performance reviews, during the performance review, after performance reviews. Like, what's to empower, especially marginalized folks, but really anybody, yeah. uh, what what should they, what you know, especially for people the first time they do it, have had a performance mm-hmm. review. Uh, and I'm thinking of my niece at Deloitte right now. It's like... <laughs> God only knows what her first performance review will be like. I'm I'm sure it'll be great, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I can remember my first performance review and it didn't (laughs) go that well. Yeah. (laughs) Mostly because I wasn't ready.
1: Yeah. That's a really great question. Um, One thing I see is that um, people from um, underrepresented communities, they just don't know what to ask. They don't know what to do. Um, So it's it's really like a learning curve. You go through it and then you learn and then, Um, you're up for the battle next time. But I think um, some things that folks can do is it starts when you start a new cycle or you start a new job is ask what the expectations of you are. What does that that look like from a performance perspective? So um, what are some of your goals? Really write that out with your manager. um, So that way, you know what you have to do to be able to get a good rating or get promoted or get to the next level. Or if it's just, hey, I'm in this role now, but I want to shift over here. What is it going to take for me to get there? You really need to work with your manager to be able to really build that out. So that way, when you go into performance reviews, you know what was expected of you. You know either you did it or you didn't, um, and you're able to speak to that prior. Um, So set the expectations first. I think two is continuously have conversations about your performance in your one-on-ones. So don't wait until... Um, your your six-month review or your yearly review, or if you do quarterly, the quarterly reviews, to have the conversation. Push for um, the conversation happen every week during your one-on-ones. So that way you know how you are trending towards either being promoted or getting a good rating or getting more money, right? Um, so I think those are some things to think about before you go into the process. Um, and I think right before the process, the performance process kicks off, have a meeting with your manager to say, hey, I know we're going through, we're going into this process. I just want to calibrate between us on what this rating would look like. I want to be able to share with you what I've actually done and how I performed and see if that aligns well with what you're thinking from a rating perspective. And additionally, if I'm up for promotion, I think you have to advocate for yourself. So if you go into that conversation that way prior to it, then you will not feel like you you were left in the dark or that you didn't have a say in, in, in what your performance was. You have to advocate for yourself. So that would start that, um, I would start that process well before you're going to go into the process. Um, and I think that could really set you up for success. And then uh, after the performance review, you get your rating, you're either promoted or you're not, you get a merit increase, um, you get you get the rating that you want or you don't, ask for understanding, ask for clarification. You want to understand why they came to that that decision and what you have to do next time to either get promoted or get the rating you'd like um and that can really set you up for success
0: yeah i think that's regardless of the outcome is that you always ask even if you got a huge raise and a promotion and this that and the other you ask Mm -hmm. how'd that happen tell me a little bit about what was your decision tree what did you what'd you go into what went into that what made you make that decision? now if that's a negative thing uh, and you didn't get your merit or increase, you didn't get the promotion, you you asked the same questions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and I, I think that that's again I, you, you, you you went over it really quickly, but I want to make sure we stop down for the audience is that you know marginalized folks um, if they don't have their first let's say their first review and it just goes just not well. okay, got it that actually puts them behind on their path, just that first one. Mm -hmm. It's just like hiring a woman for $20,000 less than you hire a man. She's $20,000 at the negative from the jump, from the get go. She's already $20,000 behind someone. And Mm -hmm. so think of the, think of their interview, think of their, their performance reviews in much the same way. If their first one's a mulligan, but other people's aren't, because they're more prepared or whatever else um, I, I think there's yet another way that biases kind of kind of mm. finds itself is, yeah. is, to the top. Is it just like, okay, if again, we'll use just white men. as just an example. They, they, mm-hmm. they know what's ready. They know what the review is going to be about. They've already talked to their person whatever. If they're prepared, let's just leave it that, at that. Yeah. One. And marginalized folks go into their first one as a learning event and they're not prepared. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, if we can fix that, then we give people more of an equal playing field and then whatever the outcome is, the outcome is. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, something else that you touched on that I thought was beautiful is that you, you don't just ask your, the people you work with and your, your your boss in particular, how am I doing? Or, or, you know, uh, kind of vague-ish type questions. Cause the, how am I doing is like, well, you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like working with you. You're doing great. Yeah. But how am I doing as it relates to the goals that you set forth in the last performance review or when you hired me, et cetera, like how am I doing on goal or however, there's a better way to phrase that, but yeah, being more specific and being more uh, diligent in the questions that you ask people, not just looking for affirmation.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that's a really good point. Um, I think, I think people really have to be able to advocate for themselves and just Mm -hmm. ask those hard questions. Right. And I think, I think we wanna know how we're doing. Maybe we don't, we don't know the right question to ask to be able to get, get that information from folks, right? But one thing that I do is every time I go into a project meeting, it doesn't have to be my manager it could be a, a peer that I work with. At the end, I ask them, hey, I just wanna, i just wanna pressure check here. How are you feeling about this project? How is it going? Is there anything that I could be doing to um, provide more clarification or get this over, over the finish line more effectively any feedback that you have for me, I would love to take it. Um, and that opens the conversation up to feedback. And I try to end every single meeting that I have with someone, if it's if, if it's possible, with asking for feedback. That way you're continuously getting feedback from folks in order to become better. Um, so I, w- I would definitely say continuously ask.
0: Well, what I, I love about that, and, and we'll, we'll wrap after this, is it also puts the we we talked about employees and what they should be asking, but also the onus is on the the boss or the team to also provide that feedback, uh continuously, you know, like hey, this mm-hmm. is what I see from you, you know, week in and week out, day in and day out, you know, meet in, meet out, it's like, okay, this is what I'm seeing, this is where the trending right now. Here's some things you could work on. Like that's actually would be helpful for you know bosses and peers to also be giving that feedback so that again you're not in the dark the whole idea is to not go into a performance review clueless uh, and in the dark so Ivory, this has been absolutely wonderful i could talk to you all day so (laughs) thank you so much for carving i know how busy you are but thank you so much for carving out time for us in the audience
1: no of course thank you so much for having me i'm it was definitely a pleasure speaking with you as well you definitely have my wheels turning. So thank you for
0: such a great conversation. <laughs> well, very good. And thanks again for everyone listening to Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.